And now, the Sleephawk Worldwide Podcast. Here are your hosts, Brandon Staten and Tyler Hensbro. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Sleephawk Worldwide Podcast. This is Sleep Dog with the Big Hulk. What's up, everybody? It's the Big Hulk. It's absolutely been a monsoon all day, but we've got a beautiful podcast to bring you your sunshine, so tune in. It's going to be a great one. Super Bowl Monday. Dude, watch the Super Bowl last night. Chiefs win uh, over the 49ers in overtime. It was a snoozathon turned into a pretty good game in the last like five minutes of it. Um, we'll talk about that. Not as much Taylor Swift as I expected. Decent amount. Didn't overdo it. Um, a lot of basketball. First time back since the loss against Clemson. Big letdown. A sandwich in uh, the Duke game with two losses bounce back game at Miami we'll talk about that one felt that felt good about that we got Syracuse coming up tonight as you're listening on the road and then uh, Virginia Tech on Saturday at home so a lot to get into basketball wise as we are into February now we are um, now starting to separate the real from the fake and figuring out who's going to be where um, as we end up in March, plenty of, you know, we got some great Super Bowl stories from our little uh, shindig at Jean-Claude Tan Dance House last night. So we'll save that for the end because, look, everybody comes here for the Tar Heels, I think. So um, let's start with with uh, with just sort of a recap. So, you know, last time we got together, we had beaten Duke, feeling good about it. You know, lost at Georgia Tech before that game, water under the bridge. What happens? We turn around. And just a dud loss for the second time in about 60 years um, at home against Clemson. Um, And then, you know, kind of was starting to scratch our head again. Like, oh, boy, here we go. Um, Two kind of bad losses here. And then, you know, um, you know, put one away on the road at Miami. So it's sort of like an up and down sort of a couple weeks or so for the Tar Heels. But, you know, in a good spot right this second. So what are you thinking, Big Hawk? How's uh? How are we looking here? Oh, sleep. We are looking beautiful. I'm not talking about me and you. I'm talking about in the standings in the ACC. We're at first place, even though we are pretty beautiful. Um, I mean, tell me something we don't know. <laughs> All right. So, listen, we're, we're still first in the ACC, and uh, we are behind Virginia – or we are in front of Virginia and Duke. Uh, Virginia's ten and three. Duke is nine and three. Uh, we are currently eleven and two, all in conference play. We're in a pretty good position. Uh, I do think that uh, we'll talk about it. Uh, we'll cover the Clemson loss, but uh, more recently, um, the Miami was a big win for us. It was a huge win. All right, so let's backtrack. Let's let's start with Clemson, and I just want to say that Clemson is a very good team. They have a lot of players. P.J. Hall is one of the best bigs in the country. In Shefflin is a very good player. He does all the small things for Clemson. He makes winning plays. He is a very underrated big. Those two, that combination is very difficult, and Joe Girard is one of the best shooters in the country. Clemson coming into conference play before conference play started, they were actually a dark horse to win the ACC. A lot of people, some analysts and experts, uh, picked them to actually win the ACC. They thought they'd be very good. They kind of got off the rails a little bit, and that's when we played them at their place, and we absolutely dominated them. And if you look at what we did when we went to Clemson, 
Armando had an amazing game. He absolutely dominated everything inside. He had one of those moments where he reminds us, hey, I'm Armando, and this is what I do. And um, now let's fast forward to what they did to us last Tuesday. Now, this is a tough game for us and for a lot of players in particular because we just played our rival, Duke, uh, over the weekend. We had an emotional win, and a lot of times after a big-time win, a lot of college teams or, in particular, a lot of teams have a letdown the next game, and I just think that's absolutely what we did. And I, I think that when you listen to the team and you listen to what Coach Davis had said, after the game, he was really pushing his, you know, pushing the guys to really get them ready and not overlook Clemson because we absolutely dominated them in Clemson and they were had an off night. And so when the game started, let me tell you something. PJ Hall came out, had an unbelievable game. Joe Girard, he had a lot of wide open shots. And when PJ gets going and Joe Girard is going to have easy looks, it's going to be a long night. And at no point in the game did we lead. We did not have a lead. We had a chance to take the lead late in the game, and we never really got to that point. And every time that we went on a run, Clemson had an answer. Joe Girard hit a shot in Shefflin late in the game, got a lot of rebounds, did a lot of dirty work, and beat us up on the boards. And P.J. Hall had a big night. He played um, to what everybody thought he could play like. And in particular, when I look at this game, there's one thing that um, really stands out to me, and that's we didn't have Seth Trimble. And Seth Trimble, once again, I want to say how important of a piece he is to this team. And the reason I say that is because he's somebody who has totally embraced his role, coming in off the bench to play defense, locked down the other team's best offensive player every single night. And he has made a commitment to making winning plays. And what I mean by that is he has really embraced – other areas of basketball outside of scoring. And sometimes when I watch, especially young college kids, they put so much pressure on themselves to score that they forget about all the other aspects of the game when they're not scoring. And Seth, to me, he's kind of embraced those other aspects of the game. And what you're starting to see from Seth in particular is you're starting to see him get his confidence not only in other areas of basketball, he's getting his confidence scoring-wise. And if you look at the Duke game, he came in when we went a little stale. He was like a firecracker. He came in, he gave us energy, he provided us a defense, and also he had 10 big points that game. And he wasn't available. It was kind of a, a last-minute scratch, and everyone was kind of shaking their head. What's wrong with Seth? What's wrong with Seth? But, you know, I, I really do believe that not having Seth hurt us. And we don't realize how important of a piece he is until we have guys like Joe Girard hitting these open shots, who is one of the best shooters in the country. But sleep also, the one thing about Clemson, Clemson's long and athletic. They have long and athletic guards across the whole roster. And we've talked about it. Um, the Elliot Cadeau, R.J. Davis, and Seth Trimble, those guys aren't even pushing six feet. And mm -hmm. we get vulnerable when we go against big, physical, strong teams. You saw it against UConn. Uh, Villanova, in some aspects, kind of dominates it that way with the Dixon kid. But I really do believe that Clemson, when they played physical and they played big, it really bothered us. And Harrison Ingram, as good as he's been, I think he's been one of the best transfers in the country. Mm-hmm. 
he's not the biggest guy to have inside. And I thought Shefflin at times really presented him with some problems. And especially when Harrison had to go take a break, he caught a cramp late in the game and had to go back in the locker room. And Jalen Washington, he's long and smooth and, you know, athletic, but he doesn't have the body yet to really bang with Shefflin or PJ Hall. And then, you know, you try to go uh, Cormac and Mm -hmm. Cormac's just not strong enough for those guys. And so I think that's what Clemson really, where they really beat us up was kind of late in the game with Shefflin and start the game early with PJ Hall and Joe Girard making those shots. So that's what we got ourselves in such a hole that every time Mm -hmm. we had a run, Clemson had an answer for our run. And so it was just one of those games where, uh, you've got to come out and start the game better. And that's just all what I wrote it up to sleep. Yeah. And I mean, before we get into the bounce back at Miami, you know, it's important to remember, you mentioned it early on how, um, how, Clemson was projected to finish highly in the conference and they were in the top 25 for a little bit. Right. Yep. Um, and yeah, I'm going through their, their, their slate of games. They hit kind of a rough patch, but if you really kind of dig in a little bit, you realize that they, they, they're very, they're not a long way from being, um, you know, toward the top of the conference. I mean, they beat Alabama earlier this season, ranked Alabama. They beat a ranked South Carolina team. They lost on the road at Memphis by two. Um, they lost on the road at Miami, you know, kind of bad, but we just realized, I mean, Miami's a good team. Yep. Um, they, uh, you know, we beat them at their place. They lost to Virginia Tech at Virginia Tech, tough place to play, kind of a bad loss there. Let's see, they lost to Georgia Tech, you know, kind of bad loss there. That was a home loss, gave up 93 to Georgia Tech. But then they, you should have beat Duke. I mean, that was that was down to the wire at Cameron. Uh, they came back, beat Louisville, and then they lost uh, at home by one to Virginia, who's won eight in a row and who we're going to have to play uh, a week from Saturday. So, um, yeah, like Clemson is not a bad team by any stretch of the imagination. Yep. They have good players. Uh, Trimble was – I think you're, you hit it right on the head. Like Trimble not being there was a, a big difference maker, especially late in the game uh, when you get there and, and need some stops and, and, he, and he's not there. Um, to transition into – Miami game. Um, I and one second, Sleep. Yeah, I just want to say, South Carolina is actually leading the SEC. They're the top team in the SEC right now. It's not Kentucky. It's not Tennessee, which, by the way, we demolished Tennessee. And oh, yeah. a lot of people have said that the SEC is going to be a tough conference. They're not. The mm-hmm. ACC never gets the credit it deserves. Uh, Clemson beat South Carolina, which South Carolina has been one of the biggest surprises in college mm-hmm. basketball. Their, their head coach is up for – Coach of the year, and they're doing big things. Clemson, Clemson beat them. They also dominated Alabama at Alabama, which is tough to do. But I just want to say that before we move yeah, on. Yeah, every every team in the ACC, say the bottom three, have winning records. Mm-hmm. So it's not like it's just a, disa- a disaster down there. And and look, I've said this a thousand times. Like whoever comes out of the <clears throat> out of the um, whoever the national championship is this year is going to have five or six losses. I think. Uh, we have five, and we're probably I, – I guess the poll probably came out at some point today. I haven't even read it yet, but we're probably you know, five or six, maybe seven right now after losing to Clemson. So um, that that's how I feel about it. Segue into the Miami game, right? You mentioned Trimble. We missed him there too, you know, and, and, and the difference was we were able to sort of hang on. Um, we built out a, a pretty solid lead very early on, and then – 
you know, seem to struggle a bit. And, you know, again, we talked a lot about this, just winning some of these games that aren't easy and, and down on the road. Um, you know, it was a, that was a seemed like watching on TV, pretty hostile environment. So it was good, good win for, for the Tar Heels. Yeah. And sleep, you've kind of mentioned it. We didn't have Seth Trimble, Trimble, but uh, we went down to Miami and, you know, it, it wasn't a thing of beauty. Uh, I'll be honest. Uh, the biggest takeaways I take away from the Miami game is one, Elliot Cadeau. He had mm-hmm. two threes. He's been struggling from the three point line all year. And uh, for him to step up, make two threes, I thought that was big. Hopefully that gives him his confidence uh, to, you know, get his shooting going going and a little more confidence in his shot, but Cadeau, sorry, he had 19 points and eight assists. That was big for him, especially a freshman on the road in a tough environment. That was big. RJ had 25 points. Mondo did his thing with 10 points and 15 rebounds. Uh, so we had key guys that play like key guys, um, but there was, <laughs> it wasn't the smoothest thing. I will say that sleep because I just want to say that uh, the whole free throw situation late in the game where um, Miami, the ball was out on Harrison Ingram. I'll just say that. Mm-hmm. So if anybody wasn't watching, we were up three. We fouled. They had a one-on-one, made the first one, and they threw the second shot, kind of missled it off the rim. It bounced around a little bit funky and went off Harrison while the rest went to look at the review and during their view, they called a lane violation on mm-hmm. Miami, which I, I don't even know. Like, sometimes I'm like, that shouldn't even be. From like, the three-point line, too. Yeah. I and mean, I, in my mind, I'm like, I'm laughing because most of the time they go to the monitor to just to look at specifically, hey, mm-hmm. was it out off Harrison or a Miami player? But in this instance, they backed it all the way up and they said, no, it was a lane violation. So we got the ball. Uh and I would just say, we've been on the other side of bad mm-hmm. calls all year. Let's not even act like we don't get the benefit of the whistle. We ain't Duke. We ain't Duke. Because yep. Clemson yep. got hosed in Cameron. I would just yeah. say that. Clemson, that call that Duke got on Clemson was absolutely – that. that's comical. That was a bad I mean, it's like the same. It was almost the exact same situation that we did not get against Georgia Tech. Yeah. I mean you – know, and, and look, here's the one thing I'll say about that call late. Mm-hmm. Um, in the Miami game, I think that the only reason they called it, I, I think it was the wrong call. I think it was a bad call. Yeah. I think the only reason they called it is because not only, I don't think otherwise they would have, but that kid that came in from the three point line was the one that contested for the ball. And so in that situation, like him getting that half a step yeah. essentially creates that sort of collision with, with Ingram where Ingram knocks the ball out of bounds. And I think, right, if I were trying to justify that call, I would say he was involved in the play probably because he had that step to get in. And, you know, I <laughs> I mean, yeah, never, it, so maybe that's why it gets called. Like imagine, you know, they don't call lane violations. Well, like, imagine a guy, you know, grabs the rebound or something like that. So I, I kind of get it, but I'd be pissed if I was Miami and I'm not going to act like, um, if that call had been us on the other foot, like I would have been okay with it. So, <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? Like, that's not what I'm trying to say. The biggest thing though, in the, in those two games mm-hmm. is, you know, Carolina shooting less than 40% from the field combined in those two games. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, you mentioned it with Cadeau hitting some shots, you know, we just, RJ has, you know, look, dude, RJ's just been scorching 
all year. I mean, what did he have against? Um, he struck twenty five or something. Anyway, yeah, twenty twenty five against Miami. Yep. Yeah. So. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. And so RJ, sleep. You're right. RJ is one of those. He's playing as good as anybody in the country. First of mm-hmm. all, except for Zach Eady. Zach Eady's playing better than anybody. He's Zach Eady will be the national player of the year, but. R.J. Davis needs to be considered for first-team All-American because I think he's had an unbelievable year. Uh, But I will say the one thing that I've noticed over the past few games, and it's kind of something, a resounding resounding theme with UNC is right now, is if we want to make a deep tournament run and we want to get where we want to go, like want to meet all these expectations inside the locker room that they've created, they're playing unbelievable. And... You've got to give them a lot of credit. You've got to give Coach Davis a lot of credit because he's done an mm-hmm. unbelievable job, especially coming off of what they went through last year. But the one thing I will say that they need to clean up, from my perspective, is late-game situations. Okay, mm-hmm. And so if, if you look at early on, you look at the Kentucky execution late in the game. Mm-hmm. We had a turnover. We lost that game. Okay. And more recently, if you look at Clemson, we didn't really execute. We had a chance. We clawed back in the game. Late in the game, we didn't really make plays or shots to really give us the chance we needed to win. Clemson did. And actually, if you look at the Duke game, we had a substantial lead. Late in the game, Duke made a little bit of a mm-hmm. run. Now, that was a, there, was, there was some officiating that Duke benefited mm-hmm. off of that, and that's a different mm-hmm. subject, and we need to talk about that. We don't ever need to let the Dukies off the hook because they get the, they get the benefit of the whistle more than any team in the country, and it's starting to become comical, and mm-hmm. you, can't, you cannot keep doing that. Somebody needs to mention that and bring that uh, to uh, everybody's attention. But I will say also is Miami, I thought we kind of struggled late in the game to really – make closing out plays. And I get it. Ellie Kadojong, we have a lot of new faces, but it's late in the year. Okay. It's February. Okay. We need to start cleaning that up late in the game to really start pulling these things out. And I think that's the next step for this team. If I'm being critical and, uh, and, and, you know, you look at the Georgia tech game too, uh, late in the game, we had uh, a chance to really win that game late, but we didn't make the plays late in the game. You know what I'm saying? Like we had Mm -hmm. one possession and you look at, you know, and that's the thing is RJ's been so good, it's kind of hard not to give him the ball late in the game. But sometimes mm-hmm. it's got to come from, like, you know, Wayne Ellington. He hit big shots. You know, he mm-hmm. gave us, you know, Ty Lawson. And when I played with them, those are guys, you know, it wasn't just like they were trying to force the ball to me to make a mm-hmm. play late in the game. It was, you know, somebody's like it takes a whole team to really step up and make plays. And that's not just offensively. That's defensively as well. Yep. So the, if I'm being critical of sleep, that's the one thing I think needs to be taken care of late game execution offensively and defensively. Everybody's got to be tuned into their assignments and what this person does. And also we've got to execute. You can't have turnovers and you can't have like lapses on help side defense or you can't leave guys open. Everything has to be difficult and you've got to close things out with the rebound defensively. And that's the only thing that I look at that Carolina really needs to improve, uh, but they've mm-hmm. done great all year, and you've got to give them a lot of credit. Yeah, because everybody's a veteran now, right? Yeah. Like in, on this team, you know, you, you got you got big time, big time freshmen on this team. You got these transfers. You got Mondo. You got RJ. You got you know everybody here at this point has enough experience that they need to 
they need to execute, right? And, and, mm-hmm. and that's the part here is that we've talked about this a lot with the parity in college basketball. It's going to come down to your more mature team. Look, we're, we're an older team. We're an experienced team. So, yep. you know, your teams that are going to win in March are the ones that, uh, and more importantly, teams going to win in April are the ones that are doing things right. They're not, they're not beating themselves because look, you're going to go out there some nights and, and, you know, we've had a couple of these games where nobody's really shooting the ball. Well, mm-hmm. um, you're going to have to get by on making the other team shoot poorly too then. Right. Or, uh, you, you brought up a good point there where, um, I, I first noticed it, I think in the Duke game where Duke's Duke's strategy was, Hey, we're going to let anybody but RJ Davis beat us. And every time RJ was getting the ball, I don't remember what he finished with. I think he he finished with a decent stat line, but in the first half, I think he had four points, if I remember. Yep. Right. And it was, it was very clear, like, dude, we are not letting him get the ball. Um, you know, so some of those days you're gonna have to like, you know, get shots at the bucket when he's drawing those double teams. And and, and yeah, I do think sometimes and we saw it a ton last year, and this is a problem that ha- does not exist this year. So I'm not like making that comparison, but we saw it a lot with Caleb Love, right? Mm-hmm. That sort of thing you run late in the shot clock you got the ball and they're you know they're pressuring you up the floor you kind of like trying to get into a couple things aren't there next thing you know you got the ball 30 feet from the basket with seven seconds left on the shot clock trying to execute your offense people panic right Mm -hmm. so um that is not an issue now it kind of can creep into any game right that's the point of playing against good defense right so um yeah and and so what i'm saying is is in some ways it's sort of optimistic that these are things that you can change. If guys aren't making shots all season, if guys just don't look like they're very good or there is no chemistry, that's one thing. But this team has all that. And, um, you know, I think I think what we're seeing right now is a little bit of an inconsistent play, but nothing that alarms me. I just feel like, hey, you're going to hit a bump in the road. And I always go back to the thing you always say, which is, you know, in 09, you guys lost those first two games in the ACC. Yep. So I get that this isn't the first two games of the ACC, but you lose a game against Georgia Tech that you feel like you should have won. It's close. You lose a game on the road against um, you know Clemson that you feel like you should have won. But it's a good against a good team. Pretty much every loss we've had this year against pretty good teams with save maybe the Georgia Tech game. Um, yeah, so I just don't think there's a huge cause for alarm. You know, you got a couple games coming up at Syracuse and against Virginia Tech. Again, sort of right in the ship. It'd be nice to get one of these and 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 just really blow the doors off somebody because then you got Virginia game three next Saturday, not this coming Saturday, but next Saturday, and that's going to be, I mean, that's a big tilt. I think we're I think we're at Virginia too, aren't we? No, Virginia Tech. We're at home on Saturday. Uh, Sorry, I meant I meant after that on the twenty fourth, a week from Virginia Tech, we're at Virginia, and Virginia's hot right now. I mean, one yeah. eight straight. So yeah. uh, that that'll be a good game. Uh, you know, you better drink some coffee, not because the game's late, because you're playing Virginia. Oh. And Tony Bennett, he's a great coach. He does his thing, and he runs his style about as good as anybody. But I will never watch a full Virginia game. I don't care if they're playing UNC. And I, I know I've got to watch it. I won't watch the whole game just because I hate that slow style so much. I will not watch a full game of it. Buddy, um, you can no, doze no, off. No, sir. You yeah. can doze off, hit rim, hit rim sleep. And wake up and there's still 10 seconds on the shot clock watching yeah. Virginia play. I mean, oh boy, it is like watching paint dry, grass yeah. grow. I don't know mean, why anybody would. Uh, man, Tony Bennett's great coach. He's had a lot of pros. Dry yeah. via evaporation. I mean, slow. It yeah. is. 
you ain't putting up stats at Virginia. Let me tell you that. You ain't averaging 12, like 12 points in Virginia. That's like yeah. 30. <laughs> it is rough, man. Syracuse is the same way, but I don't guess they're as bad as they used to be. So, no. Oh, man. Anyway. Um, so, all right. Let's let's touch on that real quick, and then we'll move on to the Super Bowl. We got at, at Syracuse and then coming up on Virginia Tech, and that's those both those games are going to happen before we record again. So, what are we looking to do? Uh, win at Syracuse and win at home against Virginia Tech. What needs to happen? Uh, well, first of all, we're better than both teams. Pure. Okay, we have more talent. First of all, we've got to be a good version of ourselves. We don't have to be anybody else. We have to go there and do what we do. But also, we need to be aware. Okay, you need to know how to move the ball against Syracuse. They still run a little bit of zone. And so you've got to know where to put the ball, how to move, and also pace. Okay, I think the pace is going to be super important against Syracuse because if you push the ball and you play an up-tempo pace, it never allows Syracuse to establish their zone defense. And so then you can beat their zone and you can go inside Armando with ease. Uh, but that's that's the key. I think it's going to come down to us playing defense, pushing the ball, pace of play, and rebounding. Those are going to be my three keys to these both of these games. I will never go over three keys because you're starting to get a little bit too much into, you know, you've got to be much perfect. Jangle. That too yeah. many keys, it starts to jangle on you. Yeah, you can get to remember the first one if you got more than three. I would just say that from experience, okay? So you've got to hone in on what's important. Three keys, okay? Rebounding, you got to play defense, okay? And you got to push the ball, okay? We win the game if we do that, uh, barring they don't get LeBron in between the time we play them. <laughs> All right. Speaking of LeBron, I think Patrick Mahomes – well, Patrick Mahomes won four, three Super Bowls now. I think LeBron's won four titles. So I was going to say, like – I mean, but Mahomes is getting up there in LeBron territory in NFL terms. Um, we were all together watching the Super Bowl last night. Me, Big Hulk, Big Dan, Marcus, Dan, Cam. Uh, Rosie. Yeah. Rosie, <laughs> Rose, dude, our buddy Dan's got a, what is that thing called? A Bernadoodle. And for know. about the first hour we were there, that dog was chill, cool as a cucumber. And all of a sudden oh, that man. thing must've got like a little, some cookie crumbs fell on the floor. It just got a jolt. I mean, that thing was like, like back to the future, just darting around, ch- gnawing on my arms and stuff, man. Little razor teeth. Great dog. Amazing. Um, Beautiful. Things probably still sleeping after all. I mean, that sucker just went ham bone about second quarter last night. Um, oh man, Dan fell victim of the. We got to get a dog. Got to get a dog, man. That's how to get you. Oh, I mean, mine's somewhere around here, and she does the same thing. But yeah, you know, the best part is dog's good till you got it till it rains outside. Everything's good. Everything's great about having a dog till it rains outside. I've been wiping mud off my dog's paws. And dude, I, I bought like a I bought one of these damn things. It's called a mud buster. All right. It's like a cup with a silicon insert, with like little little things on it. You're supposed to just stick the dog's paw in it. Right. Oh, hell no. And and get the mud off of it. Well, first of all, dog don't want their paw in there. Okay. Second of all, it's like you gotta get a tilt factor, you know, a tilt and an injection factor. So if you tilt too much, water falls out. You don't tilt enough in the dog like you feel like that thing's useless. Okay. And then all of a sudden what you got is a dog that's running all over the house with soaking wet mud paws. Uh, so that doesn't work. So you take a little like uh 
we just went to and bought like shop rags. Okay. So this dog comes in and we give it like beg this thing with treats to sit down and like, yo, chill, chill. I said, chill. And it's not chilling. Right. And I'm trying to wipe mud off his paws. And I'm telling you, dude, I wiped the hell out of this dog's paws. I mean, and then it, first thing it does, and then you give it a treat. So it'll like next time it comes in, it'll still sit there and let you wipe his paws. Takes that treat, just darts, jumps right on the bed and gets mud Everywhere. Oh, got gotcha, you all the time. Ass. Like every day, it rains. Yeah, I mean, there's just no no avoiding it. So, uh, good <laughs> luck, Dan. I mean, Dan's dog's about four months old. Um, hell, mine's eight and eight months old. And ain't no signs of slowing down. I got a kid coming after this, so I'm just oh. adding more mud into the mix. Um, Buckle up. I, I, I haven't seen your new dog actually. I got to meet him. What's your dog's name? My dog's name's Sunny. Man, she's Sunny? she's great. Yeah, little yeah. chocolate lab. I need she. And she gets all the benefit. So the early listeners, man, Finley was was an all timer, dude. I was gonna do a whole like ode to Finley after she died, but I could, I wouldn't have kept it together, buddy. I was a, I Finley was, a, was a great dog. Oh, what a dog that was! Yeah. She's sitting over my shoulder somewhere. I got her. Uh, oh, dude. Ah, YouTube subscribers just get a treat here. Oh, Finley, right there, and in her. When she died, they do this weird thing. They put her her paw in there, man. Still got her hair in there, uh, which is very apropos. I'm still finding that dog's That's hair all over cool. the house. Yeah. Love it. Um, but uh, yeah, and so now we got, she was a Chesapeake Bay Retriever. Now we got a chocolate lab. And so not to mention, they look a lot alike, and then we call her the wrong thing all the time. But <laughs> what Sonny doesn't realize, and Sonny, we gave her the name for a couple of reasons. One, because we couldn't agree on anything. But she looked like she had sun in. When she was real young, she had a light band over the top of her head like she put sun in in her hair and tried to go blonde, and it didn't work. Um, but also Sunday, like uh, ice cream Sunday, I went with. Um, but she just benefits from like having a first dog is one thing. It's like, I guess having a first kid, but then you have that second one. And especially if you do like we did, I mean, we were still a mess after we got rid of, you know, after, after son got rid of, after Finley died. So Sonny comes along and we just realize all the inconsequential stuff that used to bother me, like getting on the couch and shedding and all that. I'm like, dude, who cares? Like sure, you can sleep in a bed with a dog sleeps on a pillow between us and is 85 pounds. Um, I don't know where we were going to the Super Bowl. Well, the Puppy Bowl. Puppy Bowl was last night. Um, so anyway, yeah, dude, dog's the best. Uh, have mm-hmm. a, anyway, good luck, Dan. <laughs> You're the best until you, <laughs> until you get a rug. Uh, so, yeah, Super Bowl was sort of a snooze-a-thon. We were all at Dan's house. We were all just playing, trying to play all these games. We ha- kept having to manufacture rules about passing this cup around to make it interesting. Um, not sure how the accounting works on, you know, the dollar in the cup and moving around. I think we changed the rules such that um, I was holding the cup once. And I think I wound up with $3 short of the people that were playing. Nonetheless, it turned into a good game at the end. I felt like it was like, dude, almost the entire game was forgettable. And then all of a sudden, like buckle up. It was good. Um, 25, 22. Chiefs overtime. The, the the only thing I really care to talk about about the game, because there there was really no like bewildering performance. I guess at the end, Mahomes did what he does. I thought Brock Purdy was was great, and I thought um, Christian McCaffrey was really good. But the only thing I thought was crazy is that apparently the 49ers didn't know the overtime rules. And I mean, I'll be honest, 
I didn't know the overtime rules either. But I don't play in the NFL for San Francisco 49ers in the Super Bowl, right? Yeah. I still don't think I know the rules, even though mm-hmm. they've been explained and I've watched them. But apparently, like, it's just because like, they come in in the coin toss and they're like fourth quarter time rules apply, which would lead one to believe that fourth quarter, right? Like, this is the fourth quarter. So at the end of overtime, it's like, okay, I understand maybe there's a second overtime, but apparently it's just like the first quarter. So like if it's still tied at the end of overtime, you go into the second overtime, like you just change sides of the field. And I didn't know that. Yeah. But Mike Shanahan basically or um Kyle Shanahan basically said they took the ball first because they wanted to score. So that if Kansas City scored, they'd be the first team in the sudden death part, right, to have yeah. the ball. Well, I, I don't know he, what the hell to do. Yeah, so sleep. I'll I'll debate this with you. I, I watched it. Shanahan. It sounds like he had already predetermined this situation. Mm-hmm. First of all, he said that before the game, the analytics they had um, already settled that if it does go into overtime before the game, that they were going to receive the ball first. Now, okay, so so they got the ball first in overtime, right, Sleep, if I recall? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. let me tell you why I'm going against what a lot of people say. First of all, I think it's dumb that a lot of the 49ers players are actually talking about publicly they didn't know the rules. Listen, mm-hmm. the rules, this this changed a couple of years ago, actually. So this isn't like, uh, you know, they, it's not like uh, they make themselves look good by coming to the press and say, I didn't even know the overtime rules. Well, <laughs> You should know the overtime rules, mm-hmm. uh, and whether that's a coaching staff or uh, your own personal, you know, you should just be up to date on your job situation. And as far as professional sports, if they change the rules in anything, especially Super Bowl, you should probably know yourself. Uh, why was it a good decision for them to receive the ball first? First of all, Travis Kelsey was starting to heat up. Okay. Second of all. 49ers defense was on the field playing defense that whole time. And Mahomes was just lighting them up. Travis Kelsey was getting open. They needed a rest. They, okay, I wasn't about to, if I was a coach, I'm not putting my defense back out there after what they let Mahomes and Kelsey just do across the field. I'm going to give them a break. And also they have a young quarterback in Brock Purdy. And I will say, I don't like the situation where a young quarterback, as good as Brock is, being under more pressure than he already is in being in the Super Bowl. So if Kansas City would have gone down and scored, Brock Purdy comes back and he's having pressure to have to make plays to score. I think Purdy's very good when he doesn't make mistakes and there's not a lot of pressure. So that is why I'm in the minority when it comes to fighting people to whether they should receive the ball or whether they should have uh, let Kansas City receive the ball first. Now, I get that you want to know what you need to do to win the game, and I get that argument, but I don't mind the decision that Shanahan made in this particular instance. And let me tell you something. Make the damn field goal. Don't get the field goal blocked, and it's not in overtime. Not a lot of people are talking about that. They got a field goal, an extra Extra point, point. extra point blocked. No one's talking about that. And also, Christian McCaffrey, he had under, I think, three or four yards per rushing, which is – pretty bad for him. He's usually mm-hmm. a little bit better than that. McCaffrey didn't have his best game. Debo didn't even have his best game. Debo was in and out. And also they had some guy tear his Achilles just even running into the game. 
So uh, yeah, let's not let's not like just totally make this on Shanahan. Special teams was a bit of a disaster, dude. So Big Hawk, I'll be honest with you. Of all the Super Bowl analysis, maybe I've ever heard what you just said made more sense than maybe any Super Bowl breakdown I've ever heard in the history of American football. God I mean, you. it makes total sense. It really, really does. Like I was sitting here thinking, I was like, damn, this is very logical. Um, yeah, I mean, it makes t- I don't care. I don't know which what the right decision is, whether you, you take it or don't take it, but you're right. You know, the defense is gas. Why are you going to put them back out on the field? Mm-hmm. You put put your quarterback who's who's performed well under pressure and all kinds of other things, but you put him in the least pressure situation by saying, hey, dude, just go out and try to score. And if you don't, we still have a chance to stop them. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then to your point, if you don't, you know, if you've got a gas defense and they give up a touchdown, oh, my God, like, I don't care. I don't care if you're Tom Brady. I mean, that's a situation that about only Tom Brady's equipped to handle. Mm-hmm. So, um, <clears throat> dude, that makes a ton of sense. And yeah, nobody's talking about extra point. Yeah. Like, dude, clang one. Uh, he also just drilled a couple from like 50 some yards. So, um, you know, uh, look, at the end of the day, I thought it was a good Super Bowl. I like, I like Mahomes. I know everybody's kind of, you got half the world that's like, you know, in love with the Chiefs because Taylor Swift's involved and the other equal parts, just people just despise them because Taylor Swift's like, who cares? Like, I don't, you know, look, look, it's fun, man. If you're, if you're that bent out of shape, you think that Taylor <laughs> Swift is American conspiracy to swing the election. Like, okay, pal, like, good luck with it. I don't know what to tell you. Move to Bermuda or something. Um, you know, so I just thought it was compelling. What, what wasn't good? I don't recall. A single good commercial like from now granted probably weren't paying like super close attention but we were paying attention and i don't and i also don't feel like anybody's talking about the commercials except for the jesus one um two of those that were 14 million dollars aside from those i don't remember i don't really haven't really heard anybody talking about any of the commercials which is did Very you, uncommon. Did you miss the Sky Rizzy uh, <laughs> commercial? I guess I did because uh, <laughs> I I've been watching miss, Sky. I'm, I've been watching them Sky Rizzy. There was one other one early on too, and I'm like, dude, they just dropped a bucket. Obviously, they are charged. Look, think what you want about vaccines, okay? But the pharma is just cleaning house if they're dropping seven million dollars on a Super Bowl ad, so I can watch two people. Dance around in circles and sketchers. Like, I mean, I'm oh wow, is all I got to say. That that you couldn't come up with something. I mean, it's like they just said, Hey, look, we got a playbook and we're gonna roll with it. You know, we're gonna roll out them jingle, jingle jangle songs to make something rhyme with some name we just made up out of the sky. And we're gonna put, you know, three people of varying genders and ethnicities together and they're gonna hold hands and sing kumbaya because they take this injectable. And it just makes their life, makes whatever weird thing go away. And we're going to slide in the side effects. Like, you know, you take this and make your life better unless it kills you <laughs> or gives you bloody stool or nausea or blurry vision. Uh, if you see those things, seek, seek a doctor's help. Don't come to us. Uh, anyway, no, no good commercials, in my opinion. Um, what, hey, what about the halftime performance? That's next, dude. Oh, my God. All right. So here's the deal. We were sitting there, all of us, and we were going through all the halftime things. Um, 
like prior halftime shows. And I was just like, dude, you got Beyonce, you got Lady Gaga, you got the one a couple years ago with Dr. Dre and Eminem, and you got all these like star studded deals. And I was like, Usher, really? Like Usher? Um, it just seems like you're mailing it in. Dude, that might have been the best halftime show I've ever seen. I'm with you, sleep. I, and I don't listen, think it's close. I'm a hater. I love to hate. It was a great performance. <laughs> it was awesome. I want to rag it. I can't. It was good. It was dude, good. I can't run on roller skates. Yeah, it was good. I mean, could you imagine? All right, here, here's a scenario for you, dude. We're backup dancers for Usher. All right. And we're already, you know, just like, dude, we're going to have to be active out there. We're going to have to be. And then he rolls up to the to the damn production meeting. He's like, guys, I got to I'm gonna throw a wrench in this. We're going to do this on roller skates. I'd be like, dude, you got to be kidding me. It was awesome, dude. I can't believe no one fell down. I can't believe it. I mean, you're on something that some carnies roadies built, you know, a stage that's like literally they bring all this together and put it up in a matter of minutes. And then you want me to put on roller skates and I'm in, you know, I'm in my thirties. Probably, I mean, dude, Usher's old. Usher's got to be at least older 45 ish. I think dude guys out there on, well, never mind the fact that he took his clothes off out there and he's rolling around on roller skates. I mean, dude, and all the music was just like, Dude, it was sick. I'm not going to lie. We did a little thing where we were, uh, there's some arguments about, we had a little thing with what was the first song going to be. And the first song was about seven songs. And then everybody was arguing about who won. Um, But yeah, dude, that, that was one of the best I've seen in a while. It was good. Don't really have anything else on the Super Bowl other than bet Washington ain't going to make it next year. Uh, I think it's interesting too, like, I mean, unlike probably basketball, we talk a lot about this. I just feel like Kansas City and especially the 49ers will be right back there next year. I mean, the Niners are loaded. Uh, I, I feel like they got – I mean, look, I, I think you learned a lot about Kansas City's defense. I think I think the Niners did a lot to to harm themselves. But, I mean, I would imagine those guys – I would imagine San Francisco's Super Bowl favorite, you know, already going into next year. Um, They're getting a little I, bit older. As I far did as see that Bill Simmons, Trent Williams, yeah. Bill Simmons had a bunch of people. I, I was watching uh, the McAfee show, and apparently a bunch of guys put out parlays and had a bunch of their people riding with them. And uh, <laughs> Bill Simmons put one out and had like 8,000 people on the same thing, and it just got nuked. Oh, man. And, uh, McAfee just went in on him. He was like, yeah, uh, a lot of people lost a lot of money listening to Bill Simmons. Um, one thing I wanted to get to that we didn't talk about, Big Hawk, before this was this waste management tournament before we before we jump off here so this is interesting because i dude i didn't watch it and but some of the golfers were complaining that stuff got so out of hand and look the waste management for anybody that doesn't i think everybody on this pod knows what it is it's always been sort of like the the broathon. somebody said uh, ricky fowler said it's a coachella for dudes in their 30s and i think there's truer words never been spoken but the videos and stuff coming out of this this one in particular, apparently, like, dude, it's just gone off the rails. Like, these people are just smoked out there on the course, obliterated. There was one video of a guy that literally ran out on the green, and he fell on his face three times. And all I could think, think about was imagine making that decision and waking up the next day 
you'd literally die of a pan. It'd be the first recorded case in modern history of someone actually dying from a panic attack because I'd be so embarrassed of that happening. I don't know. So my my point is is like this was this was the allure of it. I think they had to stop serving alcohol. Um, I'm a little too old for it. Would have probably enjoyed it at a certain time in my life. Uh, might even enjoy just doing it to say I've been there. Uh, definitely ain't gonna be me running around in my boxer briefs, plowing into the sand trap. But I don't know. I'm curious your thoughts. Is this gonna? Is that gonna change sort of how they do that going yeah, forward? It, and will it, does. it take away from it? It needs to change. And golf is a very classy, uppity sport. Let's not forget that. Uh, there's a lot of etiquette, and it seems to be forgotten that. Golf, golf in a lot of sports are a game of class. In particular, I think golf, I think tennis, I think those two sports in particular fall in a, like you have to have etiquette and class, and I think the fans should exhibit that as well. I do think that you can't let adults in particular go to these things and get obliviated and just like become a, a, a total liability and just falling down. You saw people... When I was looking at it on social media, of course I laughed. Uh, but in reality, if you're if you're a 35 year old dude or you know mid 30s, even it, I want to just say this: no age is acceptable for being as drunk as some of these people were on Instagram. And if you like, if if you have friends that are with you and don't pull you out of that situation, mm-hmm. you need to like take a look, long hard look in the mirror at yourself. And I did. I had to do that over the weekend for something else, sleep, and that's a different story. But it wasn't because of drugs or anything like that. But so, <laughs> sleep. I, I want to say this, guys. What, you let stop us talk doing long that. enough. We'll talk ourselves into a cul-de-sac. People. <laughs> and I'm like, guys. All right, listen, guys. Stop getting this drunk. And I, I do think the golfers have the right to uh, complain. And the reason they, they should be able to complain is when people drink that much amount, yeah. they do that, they become a distraction. And also mm-hmm. they, they get, uh, obnoxious and they start to yell and scream and become loud. And I think that is disruptive to the game of golf and especially the golfers. There's too much on the line for them, mm-hmm. uh, for some of these idiots that are getting hammered to really distract and take away from the game. That's my only reason. I, I do think it's funny, but also at some point these are humans and uh, we laugh about it, but in reality, there's a problem if somebody's that drunk in public. Yeah, and I think the biggest thing is, is like, look, there's, look, it, it's a fun event because it sort of bucks the trend, right? That, that what is it, sixteen, where there's the, everybody just goes crazy. You know, famous clip, Tiger Woods hitting hole in one, like that part's really, really fun. But there's a certain line that you just can't cross at a certain point as a as a populace too, right? So you got all these obviously lone rogue people just getting obliterated. Well, the problem is it seems to be more and more and more of those. And what's going to wind up happening is they're going to, they're going to ruin an otherwise awesome event. And like everybody gets to treat like as WWE Monday night raw uh, out there. And that's, that's part of the fun of it. But like, you can't treat it like it's the damn running of the bulls. Cause that's going to cross the line and they're going to, you know, they're going to scale it all back and you, you know, and what's going to wind up happening isn't like they're going to just stop altogether, but they're going to over restrict everything. Like you're going to, they're going to make it so hard to get one beer that nobody's going to go anymore. And the whole allure of the whole thing's going to go away. And it'll be some, someday we'll be talking about 30 years ago when it used to be fun. So yeah, it's, it's funny. 
to us to us to an extent there's been some funny clips but it does kind of get tired after a while and maybe this is us getting old but it's like dude all right man like <laughs> take it from me buddy that ain't what you want to be known for um anyway guys we are uh I guess we're pretty much out of things to talk about. So get your Jimmy's seafood. Uh, a, a couple of them dudes, that's what they needed. They needed to wake up in the morning, get a couple, you know, cook, chocolate chip cookies of the sea in them, a couple hearty servings of crab cake stuff, soak up all that alcohol probably would have, would have done them some good. But, uh, and they could have gotten it out there. You know, if they were thinking ahead, they could have got Jimmy to ship it out there. But anyway, Get some Jimmy's famous seafood. <clears throat> get your box. Get your go see them, man. Go to Baltimore. Go to their tournament. We're gonna go to their tournament here in a couple months. That you want to talk about. I mean, that's like the waste management open done right. If you ask me, Big Hulk. I mean, we got one year of experience on our belt, and we, should, we will soon have two coming up later this year. Um Jonathan Kaminga plays at nine o'clock tonight, buddy. By the time you guys hear this, he'll probably have had a triple-double. Nobody's watching. Big Hawk's not watching. Marcus talked to Marcus last night. He's not watching. But guess oh, who's man. watching? I am. And everybody's going to be watching him pretty soon. Dude's taking off. You got anything else, Big Hawk? Stay safe. Stay safe out there, everybody. Stay safe.